um, Rabbi Liebtag, for opening up your, your kehila um, to me. You know, Chazal always say, You start by speaking about the host. And, um, and without a host, there's no room to give Torah. So thank you very much for making the connection and for being Meshadei Shiduchim. I already see some faces that I am very familiar with, so I feel comfortable. Um, okay, so Ezra Sashem, what I want to try and speak about tonight is a topic that can have many hours spent on it, but in trying to distill a particular point, a quintessence of the idea, we're going to try and move through a number of sources to convey one of the points that I believe Purim, this mysterious holiday, is all about, and all the more so Purim in 2021. Because it used to be, it used to be that Purim was the one day a year where the Jewish people were allowed to celebrate not knowing. Where instead of our job to know things rationally, we were able to throw ourselves with abandonment into a certain level of holy irrationality. But this year, on a certain level, every day has been Purim. And so we've been forced to kind of confront a certain unknowing on a regular basis. So we are more prepared for Purim this year than any other year. Because the entire year on a certain level has been tinted with a certain color of Purim. When it comes to the arch nemesis, when it comes to the enemy, when it comes to the spiritual enemy that the Jewish people are fighting against throughout history, and in particular when it comes to Purim time where we celebrate our victory or our attempted victory, Amalek or this arch nemesis is representative of many different things. Any amount of books that a person has on their shelves, if you open up that Sefer, you will find that each author has a different association for the concept of Amalek. Amalek can mean laziness. Amalek can mean listlessness. It can mean not caring. It can mean making fun of things. It can mean dispelling truth. Each and every person has their own understanding of what Amalek means, because on a certain level, Amalek is individualized. Each person encounters in their own lives something that blocks them from the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And each person will encounter that impediment in their own unique way. But Chazal, our rabbis, have given us certain banners, collective statements that we can use to understand the nature of Amalek. And one of the famous ones is something referred to as suffix, as doubt. One of the reasons for this, our tzaddikim point out, is that according to gematrias, the sacred art of the numerical value of our holy language, the numerical value of the word Amalek, which equals 240, is the same value as the word suffix, which represents doubt and confusion, which is also the gematria of 240. And for this reason, this numerical illusion allows us to gain a slight insight into the fact that Amalek represents a certain element of doubt in our lives. And at first glance, we could understand why doubt would be an enemy. We could understand that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if God wants us to understand his presence in this world, if Hashem wants us to have a keen awareness of how he interacts with us, then certainty is what we're looking for, that we want to connect to Hashem. Hashem is certain, like we say on the Yamim Noraim, Havadai Shemo Kenti Laso. His name is certainty and so is his praise. 
And the typical and healthy assumption would be that in order to encounter Hashem's presence in our lives, that we would need to encounter certitude, that we would need to be certain without any doubts about Hashem's presence, about our role, about our purpose, and about the process that we go through on a day-to-day basis. The problem with that is that although certainty is a very nice idea, when we look for it in our lives, it appears to be all but absent completely. An exercise I like to utilize when talking to my clients about the concept of powerlessness, which is also on the one hand an acknowledgement of a lack of knowledge, I'll ask them that in this room that we're sitting in right now, can we say with 100% certainty that the floor beneath our feet is not going to collapse at any given moment? And while all of the clients like to argue that they can be 99.9% certain that the ground is going to stand, there will always be that 0.1 element of uncertainty, which cuts through all desire for certainty. That in this world that we live in, certainty is not something that human beings are capable of engaging with. We cannot know anything other than ourselves on a certain level with any level of absolute certainty. It's for this reason Rav Samson Rafal Hirsch points out that Chazal utilized a certain halachic reality referred to as rov, or majority, the majority rule. The svara, the understanding, the philosophical impulse behind that legalistic concept of following the majority, according to Rav Hirsch, is because at best all we can say is what things look like according to the majority of their appearances but there is no access to certainty. We can't know how things are going to continue to be. And therefore, all we can do is rest ourselves upon what has been. We develop habits. We see that things have been one way the previous day and the day before that and the day before that. So after a while, we stop wondering how things are going to turn out. But the possibility of surprise the possibility of being overwhelmed by the fact that what I expected is ultimately not what I get is present in our lives on a regular basis. And it's this element that Amalek seems to represent. Amalek seems to represent this idea of svekos, of not being certain about our role, about the role of other people, and about the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. Now, there is no limit of sources in our literature that help us understand the depravity and the danger of Suffolk. The entire concept of Torah learning is a process of rectifying Suffolk, of entering into the murky, darkened territory of Gemara, encountering different questions and truth claims and lies for the sake of discerning light and clarity within it. Our job as Jews on a certain level is to enter into a world of uncertainty and to clarify and find certainty within it. So if Amalek is this concept of Suffolk, then we can understand why we so desperately need to get rid of it. But when Purim comes, we approach Suffolk with a different perspective. When Purim comes, we recognize that even though Suffolk is a difficult thing for a person to experience, even though doubt is uncomfortable, nevertheless, it is part and parcel of our reality as human beings in this world. And our tzaddikim have taught us something remarkable. When facing this world and all of its vicissitudes and all of its difficulties and all of its existential quandaries and conundrums that a person finds themselves stuck in on a regular basis, 
there are two paths open in front of us. The first path, which is the one we're most familiar with, is suppressing or repressing that danger of acknowledging doubt and staying far away from it. Acknowledging the murky, darker territories of human consciousness and human experience and staying on the other side of the street where things are clear, sunny, and the light of clarity and the light of the mind is clear and apparent. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful for us to try and stay as far away from confusion and uncertainty as we would like. But then there are times in our lives where uncertainty becomes so present that it's impossible to pretend it's not there. And when life becomes something that is so unbearably pleasant in front of our eyes, we can no longer suppress or repress it, but rather we have to face it. And this is where our tzaddikim reveal an even deeper path of encountering Hashem. The first path where we suppress and repress negativity, that's on a certain level easy. A more difficult path is when we confront it. When we look it in the face and we say, okay, Safek, uncertainty that we all experience in our own humble levels on a day-to-day basis, I'm not going to run away from you anymore. I'm going to encounter you. I'm going to gaze at you unflinchingly. I'm not going to be afraid of you. And I'm going to try and figure out how to serve Hashem through you. So instead of trying to go over it or under it or around it, I try and go through it. Instead of ignoring the darkness, I force the darkness to become a vehicle that reveals Hashem's light as well. This is part of the time period that we're in right now. When Chazal talk about Yisro, when Chazal talk about the greatness of Yisro, Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, they express that the greatness of Yisro is that he came from afar. It was one thing for the Jewish people to recognize Moshe. It was one thing for the Jewish people who had been with Hashem in Mitzrayim, outside of Mitzrayim, to believe in Hashem. That's not such a novelty. They understood the presence of Hashem. A bigger novelty is when somebody like Yisro, somebody who was stuck in the darkness, somebody who was stuck in confusion and the unsettling waves of what it means to be a human being in the world, when someone like that comes and acknowledges HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence, The honor that arrives to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at that level is doubled, tripled the level of what a normal person is capable of expressing. Because when we move through the darkness of our lives, instead of ignoring it, what we're saying to Hashem on a certain level is that, Hashem, you thought that I would only find you when things were easy. You thought that I would only believe in you when things were working out. But I'm here to show you, Hashem, that I believe in you even when things are difficult that I find you even when things are ugly and the grimace of reality is present in my eyes. That's the power of Purim. That's the power of Yisro who arrives out of the darkness specifically. And so there is a thread of thought amongst our tzaddikim, amongst our teachers, amongst our thinkers, that instead of telling us to get rid of suffolk, instead of telling us to avoid doubt, They teach us that one can encounter doubt, one can descend deeply into doubt, and in the heart of darkness itself, in the heart of doubt, we can uncover the deepest power of Amuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's what I want to talk about just a little bit with you guys, to uncover this power of doubt as it regards Purim itself. One of the things that we celebrate on Purim 
is that we're victorious over Amalek, we're victorious over Haman HaRasha. Haman HaRasha, the archetypal enemy of the Jewish people, descendant of Amalek, who not only desired to hurt the Jews, but wanted to uproot the very reality of Judaism, wanted to uproot the very possibility of faith. Our victory over Haman is a collective victory over these powers of confusion and darkness in our lives. When the Torah tells us about the encounter with Haman, with Amalek rather, the Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Yehoshua, Go out tomorrow and fight against Amalek. So Chazal, the rabbis have a very interesting statement on this Pasuk. The word machar, the word tomorrow, is one of the very few places in the Torah, She'en lahem hachra'a, that it's unclear exactly how to read that word properly. Was Moshe Rabbeinu saying, Yoshua, go out and fight Amalek right now, and then tomorrow we'll celebrate? Or was Moshe Rabbeinu saying, Yoshua, go out and fight Amalek tomorrow? That word machar, that word tomorrow, according to Chazal, is one of the doubts that have not been settled since the giving of the Torah. We simply do not know how to read that word. When we think about the origin of our svekos, when we think about anxiety, which is the anticipatory discomfort when facing the future, which is an awareness that I can't be certain about what's going to happen tomorrow, as much as I believe in Hashem, as much as I trust in my experience, I am still aware that what tomorrow will bring is beyond my control. That concept of the future, that concept of machar, of tomorrow, can be one that offers possibility to an individual, but it can also be something that brings with it the death-bringing waves of anxiety that keep me struggling and paralyzed. So it's this very word of machar, of tomorrow, when we go out to fight against Amalek, when we go out to fight against Suffolk, that we encounter this anxiety. Now the Megillah says something incredible. The Megillah says that when the Jewish people overcame Haman, Harasha, when the Jewish people were able to overcome this existential threat against their well-being and our spiritual survival, Haman uh, Ahasuerus asks Esther, what do you want from me? What do you want? I'm willing to give you anything you want. And her first answer is, Tinasem gam machar. Give me tomorrow as well. In the context of the Megillah, it's another day for the Jewish people to avenge themselves. But according to what we just discussed, what Esther HaMalka is asking from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because we know as Chazal tell us that anytime HaMelech is written in the Megillah, it can mean Achashverosh, and it can also mean Hashem. So when Esther HaMalka, when the Jewish soul comes to Hashem and Hashem says, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want on this day. The Jew, the Jewish soul answers, Tinasen gam machar. Give me machar. Give me those psukim she'in lahem hachra'a. Give me that area in the Torah that is still stuck in doubt. And allow me not only to serve you in certainty, but allow me to serve you in doubt as well. Give me tomorrow. Give me the concept of tomorrow. Give me that not knowing that I am stuck in as a human being no matter how intelligent I am, no matter how much power I attempt to gain in this world, 
what we cannot gain, what we cannot falsely lay claim to is certainty. And what we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that please give me tomorrow. Let me serve you in my doubts as well. Let me serve you in those murky, darkened places, darkened territories of the Torah, which which we still don't know what they mean. Because sometimes, sometimes it's clear to us what Hashem wants from us. Sometimes it's clear as day what we need to do. And other times, again, I could only speak for myself. I'll keep it on the eye. But there are times where a person wakes up and they just have no idea what Hashem wants. They have no idea what the world needs from them that day. They have no idea how to approach the different issues, the different difficulties, the different minios, preventions that emerge in a person's life. And it's very natural for a person to feel overwhelmed. It's not only us that feels overwhelmed. If a person opens Tehillim, every single capital of Tehillim talks about David HaMelech being overwhelmed. David HaMelech is our paradigm in this. David HaMelech understood what it meant to see a world that appeared to be devoid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but nevertheless to affirm the belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not in spite of the doubts, but specifically because of the doubts. And this is what we celebrate on Purim. On Purim, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that there is a way of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Sveikos. There's a way of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our not knowing. Now, when it comes to understanding where doubt comes from, why is it that a Jewish person, why is it that a human being should live in a world with doubt? Why should it be this way? Now, our tzaddikim point out something interesting. They point out that the word suffik is not found in the Torah. It doesn't have an ontological root in the Torah, which implies on a certain level that it doesn't contain a self standing existence, if it doesn't have its root in holiness, if it doesn't have its spiritual DNA rooted in Torah Shebech on a certain level, it's just an imaginatory idea. To kind of shed light on this idea, Rav Hutner, and Rav Dessler also spoke about a similar idea. They described the reality of Shadim, this concept called Shadim, the concept of demons, things that haunt us as Jewish people. Chazal have incredible descriptions of what this concept of demons, of hauntings are. You want to know what makes you claustrophobic. You want to know what makes you anxious when you feel afraid at night. You want to know why you feel uncomfortable in certain places, why your knees tremble sometimes. Now, again, if we allow ourselves to read the words of Chazal with a poetic sensibility, we're not talking about demons. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about the things that make our knees tremble. Why is it that we should be so haunted? Why is it that we're assaulted by memories from the past which should be put to death, but nevertheless continue to haunt us like ghosts? Why is it that as Jewish people we're afraid? And Rav Hutner, in trying to understand the nature of Shadim, he says as follows, the Rambam says that Shadim don't exist anymore. The Rambam paskin that. The Kutzker Ebi, whose yard site it was a few weeks ago, has a wonderful vort on that. He says, really, Shadim did exist, but once the Rambam Paskin that they don't exist, they stopped existing. So that's the Kutzker. Rav Huttner says something even deeper, says something even deeper. He says, really, on the one hand, Shadim exist, these hauntings exist, these doubts exist. On the other hand, we know that they don't exist, the Rambam Paskins that they don't exist. So how do we settle this discrepancy at the heart of this idea. 
So Rav Huttner says that they are a non-existent existence. They are real until you come to realize that they're not real. They're present in your life, but they're present in your life so that you can look at them and face them to ultimately reveal retroactively that they weren't real. And if it's not clear enough, or if Dessler goes on and he says, you want to know what these shadim are? They're anxiety. They're the thoughts that threaten us. When Chazal asked the question of whether a person could be Yotze, the mitzvah of matzah, im kafu shade, if a person is compelled by a shade to eat matzah, were they makayim the mitzvah or not? And what Rav Dessler points out, based on that Gemara, is that these are clearly psychological forces, psychological drives that we encounter. And these sveikos, these shadim, these hauntings that we encounter, these questions that cut through to the very fabric of what it means to be a believing Jew and a human being in this world, why do we have to live with them? Are they simply symptoms of a fallen world, God forbid, which we would be better off without? Or perhaps do they represent spiritual opportunities for us to encounter? Now, our tzaddikim tell us that when Adam Arishon ate from the Eitzadas Tovarah, from that tree of knowledge, good and evil, there was another word, another phrase that could be used to describe what that Eitzadas was. And in the Zohar HaKadosh, it's referred to as Ilana Desveka, the tree of doubt. Meaning to say that ever since we were cast out of Eden, ever since we were thrown east of Eden, the nature of existence is one of doubt. It is not a symptom of not being smart enough. It is not a symptom of not being spiritually equipped enough, but rather it is the very fabric, the very playing field in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to find him. We live in a world of suffix with two options in front of us at every moment or more than two options and unable to decide and to choose exactly which path we need to go down. But the power of suffix is that it forces us to encounter those difficulties. It forces us to recognize that Hashem, I don't know. I push it, do not know what you want from me, but what I will do is I will continue to serve you even though I don't know. That's what we do on Purim. We turn to Hashem and we say, Hashem, this world appears to be completely devoid of your name, like the Megillah. Your name does not seem to be present right now. In fact, everything other than your name appears to be present. Difficulty and frightening things and struggle. And again, collectively and individually, I, I don't mean to be speaking any type of pessimistic thing here. Chazal have the most remarkable and compassionate treatment of suffering imaginable. Chazal asks, what is suffering? What does a person have to go through in order to call themselves someone who understands the pain of suffering? If you put your hand in your pocket and you expect a dollar and you find 99 cents instead, that is enough of a reason for a person to feel that they have suffered. For a Jewish person who believes in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to be faced with any difficulty in life, that's enough of a reason for a person to say, Hashem, why is it like this? We have the Torah, we have mitzvot, we have Amuna, we have Bitachon. Things should be exactly the way we want them to be. Hashem should be abundantly clear in our lives. Any moment, any experience that forces us to doubt HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence can be considered suffering. 
So from that perspective, we all suffer. And we're all struggling with trying to figure out what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. But on Purim, we learn to discover the origin of doubt. Where does confusion really come from? Where does undecidability really come from? And here we're going to move just a little bit deeper into the sugya. One of the deepest parts of the Zohar HaKadosh, the Book of Splendor, one of the most important parts of the Jewish library, the heart of mysticism, is something referred to as Tzafra Ditzniusa, the Book of Modesty. Now there are two ways to understand modesty. There are two ways to understand something being hidden. On the one hand, it could be a negative effect. Something is supposed to be present right now, but it's concealed and it's hidden and it's covered over. And all I see is difficulty and darkness. But then there's another way. The other way of understanding is to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so far beyond our rational capacity to understand him. Human beings are so limited and so finite in relationship to the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that like the Rambam tells us, all we can say about HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what he is not. That we cannot ever claim to know anything with certainty about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because the moment we claim to have certainty about HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the moment we're implying that we have the ability to grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu with our human understanding. Something that is almost tantamount to heresy. Because if the human being is capable of standing under something and understanding it fully, there's an implication of an equal playing field. And so the Rambam tells us that the most important thing to remember is that at the end of the day, all we can say is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not. And this level of modesty is not because something is hidden, but it's because something is so great that it can never be fully revealed. This is the modesty of Purim. We're told that Esther Amalka was saved because of her tznius, because of her modesty, because of her concealment. Because what we're celebrating on Purim is that we can't ever know anything with certainty. But that's not because we're broken. It's not because we're not smart enough. It's not because we're not strong enough. It's because that that is the Metzius of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We can't know anything. All we can do is have faith. Emuna is dependent on darkness. If I know something absolutely, if I have absolutely no doubts about anything, then I don't have to have emuna. Then I understand things exactly. But that's not what Hashem wants from us. What Hashem wants from us is our willingness to believe in Him in spite of the fact that we can't absolutely know Him. Because every moment that we allow ourselves to believe in spite of the doubts that we have, we encounter a deeper level of faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that doubts, as opposed to being something that takes away from our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is in truth something that propels us even deeper to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I don't know where you are, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I scream out to you and I feel you. And then again, I'm forced once again to question, where are you, Hashem? And then once again, I throw myself into faith. And this is what happens moment to moment, day in and day out. Any level of certainty that we thought we had, 
is immediately transformed once again into a recognition of doubt. But that new level of doubt is the propelling agent that forces us to throw ourselves once again into emuna, So that the infinite process of believing in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite presence never stops. If we could have certainty in this world, there would be no need for that constant self-abandonment, that Mesiris Nefesh for believing in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like Rabbi Akiva says at the moment of his death, at the moment of his Mesiris Nefesh, he says, I have spent my entire life wondering when I would reach this point. I spent my entire life wondering when I would finally be able to say with Amuna Shalema that you are one HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's our goal. Our goal is not to say, Hashem, you are one. Our goal is to desire and yearn to say, Hashem, you are one, every single moment. When will I arrive at that point in time where I know with absolute certainty that you are one, HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And that forces us to do it every single moment, renewing our faith every single day. Every morning we wake up, we say again, Hashem, I have no idea what's going to happen today. I am not in control of a darn thing. I am not in control of what happens to me. I'm not in control of what happens with other people. The only possible thing that I am in control of is how I choose to see you in my life today. That is the infinite possibility of Emuna. And Emuna draws its strength from Sveikos. That Ilana de Sveika that Adam Arishon ate from. Sure, it would have been nice if we stayed in Gan Eden, but that's not what Hashem wanted. What Hashem wanted was for us to be kicked out of Gan Eden and to find him outside of Gan Eden. Hashem has enough malachim who believe in him in Gan Eden. What Hashem wanted, so to speak, is human beings who find him outside of Gan Eden, who are cast out of the light into darkness. And instead of losing hope in darkness, we say, no, 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 Hashem. I see through your game. I see through your trickery. I see through that Noira Alila, you can convince me all you want that history is one horrid story after another. You can convince me all you want that the news is overwhelming. I don't care. I'm going to find you here also. Chazal tell us that there was a river that surrounded the ear of Shushan. There was a river that surrounded the miracle of Purim. And what was that river? It was the river called Ulai, Nahar Ulai, the river of perhaps. We live in a world of perhaps. We live in a world of wondering whether things will be one way or another way. We wake up each morning wondering what today is going to bring, hoping for the best, but ultimately unaware of what's going to happen. And that is the birthplace of Purim. That is the place where we reveal the true sneers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not a sneers that has to hide something because something is ugly, but a sneers that is so concealed because ultimately all we can know is what we don't know. All we know is that Hashem is concealed. All we know is Hashem, you hide yourself. Kel mistater. You're a God that conceals himself in all matters of concealment. And our job, especially on Purim, is to say, Hashem, it's a wonderful game. We're willing to play it with you, but we see you. We see through the mask of reality. We see the certainty within doubt. We don't only look for certainty, we descend into the depths of Sveikos. We're aware of the Sveikos. But we say to ourselves, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I don't care about the Sveikos. I believe in you no matter what. That's what Purim is about. 
And that can help us understand a little bit of the mitzvah sayom. That an individual is mandated to reach a place in their mind. The chiyuv of intoxication, in my humble opinion, and the opinion of tzaddikim, does not apply to our generation. Intoxication can happen in infinite matter of ways, much more than substances. Right? The statement of our tzaddikim is that had Chazal been trying to make this mitzvah nowadays, they would say things slightly differently. But we still have a chiyuv of reaching that place of ad lo yada bin araham and the barach mordechai. Where I don't know, where I don't know what's good, what's bad, what's up, what's down, what's right, what's left, what's positive, what's negative. A seemingly strange thing. That's the opposite of what we true. Uh, that's the opposite of what we try and do the rest of our lives. But on Purim, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate Ad Yada. Hashem, I don't know. I don't know. I'm besafek. I don't know. I'm surrounded by the rivers of Ulai. No matter what certainty I feel I've reached in my life, I open up upon another level of doubt. I don't know anymore. And Hashem says to us, good, my children, I love you when you serve me that way. That's the miracle of Purim. Our tzaddikim tell us that the Megillah was not the only Megillah. Each and every one of us in our day-to-day lives are experiencing our own Megillahs going through day-to-day processes, ups and downs, wins and losses, fear and confidence, each and every person according to the understanding of their own heart. And we feel that we don't know where Hashem is. We don't know where the author of the story is. And Rabbi Nassim of Breslov tells us that when Mashiach Tzidkenu comes, he's going to write for us, each and every one of us, our own Megillah. He's going to be Megala the Hester, that Hashem is going to reveal that which was concealed. He's going to show us how every place that we were in doubt was still a place of certainty with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaVadai Shemo Kenti Laso. When we believe that Hashem is certain, we learn how to satisfy ourselves in the doubts. We learn how to live with the doubts. There's an interesting statement written by the Ramah of Moshe Isserlis. He brings it down, he makes it famous, but it was first written by the Radak of David Kimchi, and that is Ein Simcha Kahataras Asvekos. There is no joy as great as undoing doubts, implying that doubts are a difficult thing, we don't like them, and what we want to do is get rid of them. But the word Hatara of allowance can mean something else as well. On Yom Kippur, when we daven kol nidre, we say, Anu matirim ima We are giving permission to daven with those who have transgressed. We are making room. So matirim can also mean making an allowance. So we can look at that statement of the Ramah differently. Ein simcha There's no joy like the undoing of doubts. We can also read it as there is no joy as the allowance of doubts. When we make room in our life for doubt, when we welcome doubt into our life and we stop being so afraid of it, we allow doubt to just become another opportunity for us to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every moment of doubt, every moment of anxiety is another opportunity for me to say, Hashem, you exist. You exist. You're here. You're here right in front of me. That's the joy of Purim. 
That's the abandonment of Purim, of willing to be an animal for Hashem. The rest of the year, we try and be human beings. Human beings are focused on their intellectual capacity to know things absolutely. Animals, on the other hand, they're without knowledge. Behemos nidme, they appear like animals. But there's a Pasuk that we say at Shalashudis, in between Mincha and Shalashudis by Tzidkascha. We say that Hashem, that the human being and the animal serve Hashem, which means that we have to serve Hashem with our intellect and also without knowledge whatsoever, without knowing anything. That's what we do on Purim. It's a very strange Gemara. The Gemara says that there was a Purim Suda that Rabbah and Rabbi Zera had, and things got a little bit intense. And Rabbah ended up killing Rabbi Zera, like a, a little bit out of control. But the language of the Gemara is that Kama Rava Beshachat Rabbi Zera. Shachat is not how Chazal typically describe murder. That's how they describe the kashering process of killing an animal for the sake of eating it in holiness. And I believe that that's what we're trying to do on Purim. We're not trying to kill the animal part of us. We're not trying to kill that part of us that doesn't know. We're trying to shecht it. We're trying to take it from its impurity and to elevate it to a place of holiness where we say, Hashem, I'm going to serve you with this as well. I'm going to serve you with Sveikos. And this is what we're confronting when we confront Amalek. We're saying that Amalek, you're trying to convince me that if I have any Sveikos, I can't serve Hashem. You're trying to convince me that if I experience any doubt, then there's something wrong with me. On Purim, we say, no, 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 Amalek, doubt is ours. Machar is ours. Tinasim gam machar. We serve Hashem with Suffolk as well. And what Rav Kook says is that when you look at the word Suffolk, you also find another word. The word is Sipuk, satisfaction. Rav Chalap, Rav Kook's main student, also said this, that if we truly understand the role of Sveikos in our lives, if we can truly acknowledge that Hashem, in this world, all I can do is believe in you. All I can do is hope for you. All I can do is desire you. All I can do is feel you, but I can't know you yet. I can't see you yet. We're not there yet. But Hashem will be there. But until then, all I can do is believe in you. And when a person recognizes that, instead of experiencing existential bone-crushing doubt, what we experience is sipuk satisfaction saying, Hashem, this is good enough because I find you right here, right now as well. And to end, this is the idea that Chazal tell us that all of the Mo'adim, all of the holy books are going to be nullified. All of those books are going to be nullified when Mashiach comes, except for Megillus Esther, except for the book of Esther. What does that mean? So let me read to you the words of the Balahatanya, of Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the Admor Hazakim. And this is in Torah Or, in his Sefer on Bereshus and Shemos, page 180. And I'm going to do a free translation. The idea is as follows. Chazal asks, where does Esther come from in the Torah? Where's the hint to Esther in the Torah? The Pasuk says, Anoichi hastir astir panai beyom hahu. I am going to hide myself in a concealment within a concealment. Not simply a sense of concealment, but the concealment of concealment. 
no longer even being aware that something is concealed. That the Shechina, Hashem's presence in our lives, hides itself in those concealed worlds that are not revealed. And in the future, we're told that on that day, we're going to point to Hashem and say that you have revealed yourself to us. This is what I've yearned for, and there's going to be a revelation. And a person might come to think that in the future, Hashem is going to reveal everything, and there won't be any more concealment. But what our tzaddikim are teaching us is that, no, 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 there will always be an element of concealment. No matter how high a Jewish person goes on the rung of spiritual awareness, all we have is emunah. Even in the future when Hashem reveals himself, it's still not going to be an equality between human beings and Hashem. Because the power of emunah is so great that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to continue having it. So what we're celebrating on Purim is the doubts that will exist even after certainty arrives. And we celebrate the necessity of doubt, the necessity of emunah. Because Amuna ultimately is the Evan Masu Habanim, that stone that was despised by the builders, that fallen spiritual experience which seems to be so negative, which in truth is Haisalaroshpina. It's going to be the highest stone in the entire order. Because when a Jewish person has Amuna in Akadish Baruchu, in spite of not knowing, that Mesiris Nefesh is the greatest level of experience that we can offer to Hashem. The Meshachachma, with this I promise we'll end. The Meshachachma asks a question. In the Megillah, Hasach, there's an individual named Hasach. And Chazal tell us that that was really Daniel. Ah, so why was his name referred to as Hasach? Because he was cut down from his greatness. So the Meshachachma says something incredible. He says that what was Daniel's greatness? that he was willing to give his life for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was willing to enter into that place of self-abandonment for Hashem. And that was a very powerful thing. But when Purim came, everybody did it. When Purim came, we all revealed within ourselves that we're capable of such actions. And so Hasach was no longer so great. Daniel was no longer unique because we all revealed that hidden spark within ourselves that is willing to serve Hashem even without, even without certainty. And so Be'ezrus Hashem, when we enter into Purim in a year that is cut through with uncertainty, instead of trying to fight for a false sense of certainty, we can embrace the doubts. And we can say, Hashem, there is no doubt in the world that is strong enough to cause me to stop believing in you. Be'ezrus Hashem.